the most connected man in Washington, WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Cain, 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And to all of those that would like to destroy the future of the greatest country in the world, our message to them is the same as my grandfather's. Them that's going, get on the wagon. Them that ain't, get out of the way. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us because we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts because we want you to be better informed in order to help make this a better America. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey there, Herman. How much did you contribute to the Clinton Foundation? Uh, zero. Okay, uh, all right. Well, you can keep your job, and uh, you, you haven't uh, created any bad optics. You know, I would say this uh, for a reporter. If you want to give to a uh, a group uh, to do good, excellent. Right. Uh, yeah. Thumbs up to you. Yeah. But you do need to think about it. And, look, I, I don't care. Uh, I, I'm sure the Clinton Foundation does uh, good work. But the name attached to it and the fact that everybody knew she was probably going to run for president in 2016 means that's that's probably not a good idea you can find something else to do that being said uh... you know i think i look at it from from where i look at it i knew george stephanopoulos years ago when he was a hill aide and he worked up here on the hill and he worked for dick Gephardt, and then he worked he worked for dukakis on his eighty eight campaign if i remember correctly and then he worked went to work for bill clinton i remember covering stephanopoulos when he was the white house spokesman for a while in nineteen ninety three you can go to c-span yeah. and see the videos of it i was always sort of taken aback that he was able to get that job at ABC and move into the job of being a political journalist and that the Republicans never really pushed back that hard against it. Uh, there's always been some rumblings against him. And, you know, look, I mean, what's what do we always harp on as journalists more than anything else? It's people that have a double standard in politics. Yeah. And the other day when he did that interview with the guy that wrote the book, Clinton Cash, obviously, Stephanopoulos did not disclose that he had, in fact, given money as well. Not that there's anything wrong. Mm -mm. It's not like he was supposedly getting something back for it, but it just doesn't look good. And that appearance is the, the biggest thing. I would say this, though, that I guess I was, for all the work that that guy did on that book, yeah. I'm sort of surprised he wasn't ready to hit back at Stephanopoulos. Yeah. Uh, and because, and you know, if you're going to get a rough time from him, uh, it's sort of like the time that then Vice President George H.W. Uh, Bush went after Dan Rather on CBS. If you've never seen that, it was an interview back, uh, I think it was early 92, if I remember correctly. Go back and watch that one and the jab that he throws. I was surprised that the Clinton Cash author wasn't ready against Stephanopoulos. Yeah, you would have thought. Um, you know, one good thing has come out of this. He will not be a moderator for the presidential debates. Now, he's already said he won't do that, and I right. would think that uh, anybody from ABC will get the, the once-over. Yep. And you know, it's it's unfortunate. I'm not sure that there is a perfect person to moderate anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because I, I, yeah. Uh, everybody is going to get the fine-tooth comb and, you know, you, just one little raise of the eyebrow or one way you ask a question of one side or the other. It's almost a lose-lose situation for the journalist that's going to do that. 
But uh, obviously, this was one that uh, I think Republicans had always had a bad feeling about Stephanopoulos, who, again, was a top-ranking Clinton administration, a Clinton White House official. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't... I, I guess I'm surprised that after all these years that that's faded, but I guess I shouldn't be that surprised because that's just what happens. Well, the, you know, like I said, the good news is that won't be uh, a debate back and forth between ABC and the RNC about him being one of the moderators of the presidential uh, debates. And the reason that that's important because... My experience has shown that, one, the presidential candidates are there trying to get that message out. They're trying to create a perception, and we understand that. But those journalists are there to make a name for themselves with the gotcha question. And when somebody has a past relationship leaning that, you know, is there, you know that he's going to try to come up with a question that's going to be a gotcha question. So uh, at least that is now off the table. Now, as far as his apology, well... I think he did the right thing. I also believe, uh, Jamie, Clinton lovers and Stephanopoulos lovers, it won't matter to them. Oh, this, no, no. this will just die out. It'll be another blip on the radar screen that they are going to ignore. Now, I can't tell you about his TV show. I used to watch it on Sunday mornings because we would go to the early service at 8 o'clock. i get back home in time to watch. I stopped watching it because I started to see the intentional leanings. And when he started to have panelists on there trying to basically defend Hillary Clinton's titles and not talk about her accomplishments, I'd had enough. So... Uh, at least he won't be trying to do gotcha to some of the presidential candidates. I just take it one step further, Herman. I just don't watch any of those Sunday shows. It makes <laughs> it a lot easier. <laughs> you know, and you know what? You are a lot smarter by not watching them because most, the kids instead, most of yeah. them are just going to make you dumber. I just stopped watching them because I'm sitting here going, I would cringe at some of the discussions and the so-called debates that would go back and forth based upon absolutely nothing. So anyway, well, you're one step ahead of me. You don't watch any of them. And, uh, in fact, I've just about put them all down myself. Well, now the House has given final approval for the Iran nuclear deal. It's already passed the Senate, right? Yeah, remember, it passed the Senate 98 to 1 yesterday's vote. Let's see, 400 even to 25 is what it was, if wow. I can pull it up. that's were, huge. Yeah, there were 16 Republicans who voted no, 9 Democrats, and, and basically, it, or wait, wait, it was 19 Republicans, 6 Democrats. That's what it was. But uh, very liberal Democrats, very conservative Republicans, sort of one of those ironic situations where you had the two spectrums coming together. But overall, an overwhelming vote. So this sets it up. It'll be signed by the president, even though, remember, originally he didn't like this idea. He yeah. didn't want the Congress really to have any role. But if there is an Iran nuclear deal that is reached by the end of June, then at some point in July it would be presented then to the Congress. They would have, I think, 30 days to look at it, uh, debate about it, have a vote on a resolution of disapproval, as we've discussed, which could then be vetoed by the president. So the way it's structured it's really structured in favor of the executive branch. But for a lot of uh, Republicans that I, I spoke to in recent weeks, even though they didn't like that way it was set up, Herman, they just felt like it was better for them to have a voice in it rather than just be left on the sidelines. I would agree. And if the Congress does not like the bill, the Iran deal, and they vote a resolution of disapproval and he goes ahead with it anyway, well, let me tell you, that's not going to bode well for his so-called legacy that he's trying to create around all of this uh, international stuff that he's trying to do. Here's something that I know that I'm not clear on, and I know a lot of listeners aren't, and that's relative to the trade, the Pacific Trade Pact thing. Yeah. Republicans are divided. Democrats are divided. Now, supposedly, is back on track. Yep. What changes were there? And what 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 are the bones of contention between the Republicans? There really wasn't. There really weren't any changes made to the uh, deal or anything like that. It was more so 
I think Democrats realized, for one, that uh, they by blocking the president, they were only creating a lot of stories that were we were focusing about dissent within the Democratic Party. And it was all about their party's dirty laundry. Uh, the president summoned about a dozen Democrats down to the White House and publicly named them, in a sense shamed them, and said, you got to help us get this thing moving. Because there is support, uh, there are uh, supporters of uh, this trade deal on the Democratic side. Most of the support is from Republicans. It breaks like you would expect. The business side, more uh, open to the idea of expanded markets overseas and bringing more imports here into the U.S. The Democratic side, more close to that idea, more focused on big labor, saying that this deal, this trade deal would undermine American jobs here at home. So that's that's the way it's broken down. There are some Republicans that don't want to vote for it. They don't like the idea of giving the president the power to uh, to approve, uh, to negotiate a deal and then just send it to the Congress for an up or down vote. But, you know, when you look back at the history of this, it's been done repeatedly with presidents of both parties. This is not something new. I think Charles Krauthammer had a piece about that today. And, and that's why I think in the end it'll get through the Senate, maybe a little messy along the way, and then we'll see what happens in the House probably after Memorial Day. You see, sometimes when the quote-unquote conservative wing of uh, the Republicans in the House are against something, it's because it's not aggressive enough. I just still don't understand what the beef is between the Republicans. Paul Ryan spoke, seemed like he was in favor of it, talking about his rep represents jobs. Well, I think most Republicans you know? are for it, but there are some that just sort of look at down the, you know, the road at the White House, and they don't want to give the president any powers of any kind. But remember, we heard a lot of talk about that, and yet I'm not sure there's going to be any more than maybe a handful of Republicans that will vote against this deal in the Senate. And right. I still wonder if in the House of Representatives it'll be much the same. I you know, sometimes, you. Herman, what happens around here, and we notice this on the Iran situation and again now on trade, there's a lot more talk. But when they get down to voting, a lot of these guys say, eh, maybe I won't do that, and they go along with it. The Iran vote was a perfect example. One of my favorite audio pieces of the week was when Speaker Boehner smacked down a reporter for asking a stupid question. I guess there is such a thing as a stupid question, but I understand that the political uh, attacks in Congress over Amtrak continue. Yeah, it was just after we got off the air yesterday that the speaker downstairs uh, was asked about, well, you know, what about Democrats saying that the budget cuts to Amtrak led to this accident near Philadelphia? And the speaker just said, that's a stupid question. He right. said that uh, it, it was a matter of speed not of a lack of money for infrastructure. I went back and put on my blog today that you can find at jamiedupree.com and went back and looked at what did Amtrak do with their stimulus money that they got in 2009. They got $1.3 billion in stimulus funding. Most of it was not dedicated to what you and I would identify as infrastructure projects. There, there was like one new bridge and a couple of bridge, bridges that were worked on, but there was nothing big on tracks. A lot of the stuff was building a new kiosk at a station or wheelchair lifts or ADA compliance at, uh, you know, for access at train stations. The list, I put the list of all the projects in all the 50 states on my blog this morning, and you can get a sense of it's not you know, dealing with new tracks or fixing uh, curves and, you know, getting uh, the, putting in this new system that will allow the train to automatically slow down. So while they did get a lot of money, might not have been put in what a lot of people might think of as infrastructure for Amtrak. How hypocritical. Hey, 
Uh, Shandy B., Harold Clark get that list that Jamie posted. I want to talk about that some more on Monday because I think that the Democrats are going to continue to do the blame game, okay? So thanks, Jamie, for putting that up. Yeah, I you'll uh, you'll look at that, Herman, and you'll, you'll, it'll, it'll make your blood boil probably, yes. <laughs> As if it's not already <laughs> boiling over a number of other things. Well, very quickly, so... Rick Perry is going to announce that he's running. Is that right? Uh, is that what you heard? I hadn't heard that today. I heard that. Uh, just just came across the wire. He's going to announce on June 4th that he's running for president. And uh, I can hear you going hip, hip, hooray, right, James? Well, listen, uh, Perry, uh, obviously <laughs> he had the table set for him four years ago and, and yeah. didn't was not able to follow through. You know, the only question I would have is he while he's been out there, there's a lot of other candidates that seem to be above him right now in the race. Well, you make a good point. The table was set for him. They managed the pre-announcement hype perfectly. Oh, yes, they did. They did. And all of this built up expectation and all of this and that and on and on. And then once he actually had to stand there next to the other candidates, then he dropped the ball. I, I think he had the chance. He could have won that nomination and just yeah. swept it, but it didn't happen. Well, see, it gets back to, and this is my, my same criticism of Chris Christie. He was viewed as a great leader slash hero in Texas, but he didn't know how to make that uh, connect with people all over the country, just like I think that's what Chris Christie's biggest challenge is going to be. All right, Herman, have a good weekend. Thanks, Jamie. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show. Breaking news, experience, and insight. Herman Cain brings it to you every day, every day. on the radio and at HermanCain.com. So, Shane, is Rick Perry in prayerful consideration? Yeah, I think the prayers have been answered. <laughs> He's decided. He's heard from above. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.